So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.G. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of Cash Flow to Freedom, and I'm super excited to be on here. We have our first ever guest, and I, I, I really couldn't be more excited to have uh, Rock Pilon on here talking about how he really got started. This, you know, his story and his experience, we really want to dive into because we talk a lot about taking it from A to Z and how you turn investments into actual freedom vehicles, things that will actually take you to your goals and get there. So many people, they either invest in a house or a side business or the stock market, and they're still doing their job. There's no freedom that comes out of it. And that's the, that's the point. That's the point of cash flow to freedom is how do you take that to the next level? How do you actually create a full operating, you know, I want to say business out of it, but really passive income out of this. And that's truly what Rock has done. And it's so relatable. Everybody can follow his steps and the same process and reach that outcome. So I'm uh, happy to have him uh, in and welcome Rock. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this. Yeah. So, Rock, what's real quick? Why don't you jump in there? Give them a, an overview. Tell them what you're doing because I know you got a bunch of things going on here. But tell them what you're doing, and then we can kind of dive in and tell tell everybody how you got started. Yeah. So right now, I um, not only currently work for Bitroot, but I've built out a side business um, that's scaled into the the six figures per month mark, as well as been investing in real estate properties for the past uh, four years uh, through house hacking. And uh, yeah, e-commerce and real estate. So now, first of all, how old are you? 24. All right, so Rock, you're 24. You're working full-time. You're going to school full-time. Yeah, school, yeah. You have investment properties and you have a business that's already generating over a million dollars, putting well at the valuation of multi-millions here. You're 24 years old. That's crazy. Okay? And, uh, and we want to take this now. Before we, we cover this and get started, we want to run this back just four years ago. Tell us where you were at in life and what you were doing. It, it's one thing to start you know, at the end, but let's just go back four years. This isn't yeah. 20 years, folks. This isn't you know, a lifetime ago. This just four years ago. Yeah, uh, it's actually when I met you, uh, I was working at a call center making like uh, $13 or $14 an hour. And I was living in a mobile home with my dad because he'd lost his job through the recession. And uh, obviously we we're having financial problems. And we started going to these real estate, or he started going to these real estate meetups because he was interested in it. And I, uh, he told me when I was like young to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and read Think and Grow Rich. And it planted the seed in my head and I just decided to tag along with him. And then, I mean, I, I was probably gone to like, I don't know, 30 of those meetings and you showed up one day and uh, it turned into a question for a or question for AJ session, and I realized that you knew a lot of things that most people didn't know, and I ended up asking you or just to meet up again, and from there, I mean, I kind of realized how much I didn't know, and just started building a relationship with you, and you've kind of taught me a lot of the business principles that I've applied into my life. You really need to do see this transformation that's happened with Rock over the last four years, you know, from going to basically just reading. Yeah meetups, meet with other people, exploring, trying things, yeah, trying all sorts of different things. And you have your real estate, but then you also have your online business that you started. 
when too when we met i mean this was really just some t-shirts yeah yeah i was just selling like random stuff that i would screen print and it didn't have like a direction and i remember talking to you about it and you were like it wasn't like scalable because i there was nothing differentiating about it there was no like method of of growing the business it was more of just a hobby where i was just selling a few t-shirts here and there maybe making 100 or 200 bucks a month off of it but then you have to reinvest that back into more inventory so it's not you're not really making any money and like for the first two years of doing this idea, it ran negative, like negative thousands of dollars. And it doesn't look good on a, on a real estate application when you're showing this entity that's losing money constantly. And everyone was telling me to close it down, like the, my, my parents, my, uh, the, the brokers um, associated with the deals, people I talked to, even like you even said, that's not gonna work. But you didn't say it's not something you shouldn't do. It just said in the, in the model I was doing it, it just wouldn't work based on what I was selling and how I was selling it. So what I ended up doing was pivoting it. But yeah, the over-encompassing thing was not, no, not realizing that I didn't know what I didn't know, and that was holding me back. I thought I was doing everything right because it was just to the limit of what I knew. But there was tons of things I didn't know that, that I wasn't applying, and those are the things that are capping me. One of the many reasons I, I love hearing your story and let's do it is I, I love the fact that you took the constructive, I want to say criticism, the criticism that wasn't constructive, you left alone, but you didn't give up the goal. You just shifted the way in which you got to the goal. And that was kind of, you know, when we first down and met and everything, you, you had the ambition, you were going everything like that, but the direction wasn't quite right. And yeah. you were able to say, listen, I mean, my idea, great, whatever, but I, I just want to know how to make it there. How, how, how do I get to that? destination and to pivot and do what your customers wanted, what the business needed to do, despite maybe what it had originally set out or what you had envisioned for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, there's that quote where it's like, um, most people would rather be right than rich. And I think most people, that that's most people just because of their ego. Whereas I knew I was doing it wrong because I'd spent months and probably a year or two at that point. Um, when I met you doing everything wrong and not getting the result I wanted and what you were saying made sense to me and you ended up giving me a, a P&L told me to go fill out a P&L and, and I, I didn't even know what a P&L was but um, you, sh you told me to go do it and I was like okay I don't even know what I'm doing and I, at first I ignored it um, thinking that's something I, that's a waste of time but then I was realizing well if I want to keep talking to this guy I need to fill this out and keep this relationship building um, because I, I realized the, the first time talking to you that you knew how to make things work, like how to make businesses work. And I just could see the depth of, of knowledge that you had that I didn't have. And I, I, don't, I don't know if that comes, that comes from probably a mixture of schooling and, and practice and just be building businesses because um, now looking back, I'd have been thinking that I'm an idiot. And I, I was because I, I, I uh, had been doing the wrong things. And looking back now, I can see that. Um, but yeah, most people's egos will stop them before they before they even get started. You know, it's there, there's a few fundamental things that I think went into your success, not only your ability to fail and fell forward, um, that you just kept kept moving, kept moving to the, to the goal. But two, you really did set yourself up and you made some critical pivotal moves in the beginning to set yourself up, not just for success, but for your ability to fail. And that is absolutely 100%. We talk about ego, which is, I, I think, the number one 
destruction of wealth and freedom and happiness that absolutely exists, I know for me as well as others, whenever ego gets in the way, it just destroys us. And you have to set yourself up to fail yep. um, so you can continue learning and you have to be ready to fail and be able to go on that process. Some of the things that you know we talked about early on and that you did very, very well to set yourself up to be able to make mistakes, keep trying and go again, was I think early on some of the real estate purchases that you did, how you went about saving your finance, finances, we really dove into that. And right off the bat, you, you did and you introduced actually me into this concept of house hacking. Mm-hmm. Why don't you explain how you did that, why you did that, and two, why that was so pivotal to yeah. your overall success? Yeah, when I uh, when I was 19, uh, I was starting to look at house hacking, which is where you buy a multifamily, a small multifamily property, and you live in one side or one unit and rent out the other units to cover your your debt service. And at first, like when I was 19, I didn't have credit, so I couldn't do it. So I got a credit card and started using it wisely to to build up my credit score. And then when I was 20, I was able to start looking at properties I was pre-approved for. I think like. One hundred eighty-five thousand or two hundred thousand uh, dollars, while I was making like twenty-eight grand a year, so I wasn't making anything, but I was saving like fifty percent of my income, uh, and just kind of spending the rest on my needs, and I didn't really want anything else. So, by building up my credit and looking at an investment property, I ended up bu- buying one that was around like one hundred fifty-five thousand dollars, and in doing so, the rent from the other unit and the rent from my my roommate covered my complete mortgage. So I didn't have any living expenses, which living expenses are the majority of most people's, uh, or at least uh, like rent or, or mortgage expenses are the biggest monthly expenses. And so I got rid of it. And by getting rid of it, it allowed me to save even more money, live for free, and continue kind of working on my set, on my different projects of building a real estate portfolio, building a, an e-commerce portfolio. And I think when, when, I don't, when I didn't have that stress of like, geez, I have to pay a $500 mortgage or a $500 rent payment or a $1000 mortgage it allowed me to to open up a lot more to certain areas that I that I probably couldn't have and that that property ended up I mean the return on it is is infinite in that I only spent like I put $7000 down I put $5000 in repairs into it and all in I was 12 grand and today it's worth double what I bought it for around 300,000 because of the market appreciation in Boise it produces a thousand dollars a month in cash flow. Um, that's clear cash flow after debt, and it's just a really great property. So it's the it returns infinite. This is, I think, one of the most pivotal first steps that anybody can take, and and it's key to your story because it, it sets up everything else. And two, this this was something that I learned early on, and that was, I think, key to my success and others that I I, I knew was setting yourself up financially, having a strong foundation. You know, we, me and my wife, we did the same things and took the same steps. You know, I was making six figures and our rent payment was, you know, $300 a month. When we moved into our house, the total debt on the house was less than we had sitting in our bank account. And the total debt was equal to what we made in income. We lived extremely conservatively as I grew my sales and built up. One of the reason was, I think I knew and we know too, those expenses choke out opportunity. Mm-hmm. Expenses, debt, they can just choke out and kill progress. That didn't allow, if you would have been bogged down with car, house expenses, everything else like that, you wouldn't have never been able 
to start up your online business, to invest in other properties. Yeah. It really, it is creating that solid financial foundation that creates opportunity as far as time, opportunity as far as actual cash flow, freedom yeah. to take advantage of those things, even though it was small. It's not like, you wouldn't even say you're financially free. You still have to work, things like that. But yeah. that small financial I, I, you know, step forward, that laid the path for everything else. Yeah, um, 100%. I think uh, most people, um, they're trying to keep up with it, to keep up with the Joneses, they're trying to keep up with their neighbors, keep up with their friends. And to me, I looked at that that lifestyle because I could see where that lifestyle led with what my parents, my parents never really keep up with anybody, but they, they didn't really care that much. But looking at other people and like looking at how most people live, they're trying to live to this standard. And I just knew exactly where I wanted to go. And I know where I want to go right now. And to do that, I have to give up years of laying this foundation because the foundation is what will allow me to reinvest and build out um, the companies that I want to build out and, and, and get to the level that I want to get at. And it's not having a cool car and a nice house. It's, it's much, much more than that. Instead of looking successful, you wanted to be successful. Yeah. And you took that extra cash flow and opportunity that you had then and you poured it back into this business, which you were trying to make work. You were trying to figure it out. Yeah. And why don't we explain now you have a, you got out of that property. You actually went to another property. Yeah. I can right? jump into that. Yeah. Yeah. Jump into that second so, property. So the second one, uh, you have to live in a uh, FHA loan. It's an FHA loan that I got. So the reason I was able to get out of it is because the property appreciated so much. I refinanced it into a conventional loan, freed up the FHA loan again. And I was able to rent out that unit so it's profitable. It's a solid, it's a perfect investment property. And put the tenants in place, kept that FHA loan again. I, you need a reason to reuse the FHA loan. And mine was because my business, I, I had uh, inventory, I needed space. Despite, like my, I had a warehouse too, but I needed the space. So I said I need a house with a garage. And so the next duplex I got is a 3-2 on each side. So 6-4 with a two-car garage on each side. So it's way bigger. Uh, I think it's like 2,500 square feet. I bought it in downtown Boise for $270,000. And the rents at the time were super low. I was looking at it. It's not in the greatest area, but it's an area that will continue to improve over time. And it's close to the, the call. It's like five minutes from the college, uh, five minutes from the, the bars in downtown area. So I knew that looking at the price, because I, I was in the market always looking, I could tell that's a, the rents are too low and the price is cheap. And I think looking at the sellers, they were just trying to cash out an X amount. They didn't care much beyond that. Now at this time, you know, let's let's compare the two because you're two different properties. These are wonderful comparisons. The first one was a slower market, yep. right? There wasn't- you, Four years you, ago, yeah, five, five yeah, years ago. Five years slower. ago, you're coming to the buy, uh, you know, it's a buyer's market. Yep. But in that time, this, this had changed for the next house. You were fighting Oh yeah, with like buyers. I'd put in offers like on like four or five houses, and there were zero days on market sold before I could even get the offer in. So, so how'd you leverage yourself, and how'd you how'd you nail so this one down? I think I had a good team in place. My mortgage broker just super responsive, super on point with what like he knows my goals and he knows where I want to go. So he's constantly answering the phone when I call him. And then my my uh, my broker, my realtor, is very experienced, really smart. He runs the local meetup group. And he doesn't really take other new people. He, he works with me and I don't know how many other people he works with, but he knows exactly what I'm looking for and he'll send that stuff to me. And so I, I, I've, I would get the automated emails of whatever hit the MLS. And this one was zero days on market. I knew the price was good. I could tell the rents were good. So I think that day we set up a schedule to look. And then the next day I put in a, 
a full, I think it might've been a little bit over the price they were asking. I think they were asking 268 and I offered 270 because I offered over because it would still work in terms of a cash flow uh, investment. And I knew that if anyone else was submitting, they'd probably put full. They wouldn't probably go over. That's, it's kind of unnecessary, yeah. but the number still worked and I wanted the deal. And so I ended up getting that. And at the time rents were 800 bucks on each side. And I, I mean, it, it probably cash flowed for the owner because they owned it for 20 years. But to me, I, I could tell, okay, I, need, I could bump these rents $400 each side, live in one side, right? So I, I, I think right now the debt on it with an FHA loan is like $1,900, $1,950 a month. And one side pays $1,250 and I have a roommate that pays $450. So I'm out of pocket, maybe three to $400 per month plus utilities. But the value in it is that it's downtown. If I moved out, it'd be cash flowing about 500 bucks a month. And I intend to refinance that one. I'm in the process of refinancing that one. And I'll be able to free up that FHA loan again. And I think it's actually had that appreciation because the Boise market continues to skyrocket. I think it's probably worth 330, which would allow me to uh, refinance conventionally. And uh, take that money out and yeah. do it again. Well, I could take the money out or I could just free up that FHA loan. So a lot yeah. of times you don't have to do a cash out refi and you don't want to. I think it's, there's a couple reasons you don't want to, but the main thing is if you can free up the FHA loan, I'd only have to put down three and a half percent, which is the value for me because yes. I don't want to put in a lot. And I, so I'm what always did you put into to this house? So put, it was a 270 purchase. I think my, my down payment was like 12 and a half. And uh, I ended up putting in more repairs because I had over it, or I didn't really like look at um, the repairs that needed. I knew a couple baseline things, but looking at it, since I was working so much, I couldn't do a lot of the work myself. And I put in about like $15,000 $15, worth of work in terms of paint, flooring, furnaces, um, new appliances, things then like that. And you got to up the rent because of that. Yeah. And it, it, it all contributed to yeah. like getting that extra 400 bucks out of it. It's a really nice property now. I mean, it's a 3-2. Going in downtown Boise, uh, the twelve fifty or the twelve hundred bucks I charge, I think it's twelve fifty, is is pretty attractive because surrounding houses you don't really get a three two and um, at that close to downtown Boise for that price, so it's pretty attractive. So then you'll you'll get that one. It'll now be cash flowing, and you'll get to go do the same thing over again in yeah. another property. I'd like to in the next year, yeah, um, refinance this one find something or build something that uh, is a duplex, triplex, or fourplex in either Boise or Eagle to, to kind of get, I want to keep my prop, my, I want to get nice properties. I don't really need the, the $150 or $150,000 uh, crap yeah. that's on the market just to get cash flow. I don't want that. I, I'd rather have nice properties that people want to rent so I get good tenants and it's low maintenance because I don't really spend much. I mean, I probably spend less than an hour a month managing them. I have good tenants. I screen all my tenants and there I have systems in place to automate the accounting and automate the, the, the rent collection. So I check it maybe for 10 minutes to make sure all the rents in the account. And now with your property, you're working maybe an hour a month, but you're cash flow positive with both of them living for free. Yeah. And that allows you now to utilize the income from your job and put that into your business. Yep. So now you have this amazing foundation, you're cash flowing, you're working and putting that cash flow into the business. And because you've been able to do that, you've been able to grow your business and grow it organically yeah. to the point where it is now, um, which to be honest, you could just live off that and live an incredible life on it. Yeah. But you've chosen to not pull the money out of the business and keep 
putting that capital back in to grow the business, which has been an absolute key to taking it from just a decent business to one that's scaling worth multi-millions. And we've seen others, and, and, and I've seen others a lot, this is the point I want to drive home, that instead of using that capital, remember capital is a resource and it is the lifeblood of any business. They take that out for themselves so they can live on. And so they either don't have to work or they can pay for that nice house and that car. And it cripples the business. And many of the guys, including your competitors that we saw early on, yeah. they're gone now. Yeah. That's what they did. But you were able to set apart and to break free of that yeah. and to create this amazing brand, an amazing company. So why don't you go in and talk about, we, we understand your foundation that has allowed you to build this awesome business, everything like that, but talk about how you built it from nothing, yeah. literally nothing to where it is now. It's crazy to think about. So I uh, was selling t-shirts like four years ago, ended up pivoting into a physical product. So rather than selling just a commodity that and like I'm competing against the whole market, anyone can make a t-shirt. I started looking at selling online with a physical product that was different than than anyone else. So I created my own brand and I, imp I started importing products from China um, with my brand on it. It's called private label. So I'd private label my products. And the reason you private label versus make a customized product is it's much cheaper to start. And then as, as time's gone on, I'm, I'm starting to do custom products. But to start out, I, I did a physical product and figured out a way to repeatedly sell it, which was through my website with paid traffic or through Amazon with paid traffic. So I started like with $5,000, bought 500 units, and I bought 500 units of this product, launched it, and started trying to get consistent sales every day. So I, I did that PL, I forecasted two sales a day, and then I doubled that every month. So I said, and in, in, go two months, two two units per day the first month, four units per day the second month. And I think I nailed that 12 month projection. And in I think eight to 12 months, no, it was in eight, I, I went from zero to 100K in revenue in eight months from launching. So not, not real quick here, I wanna interject, not to simplify what you were doing at all, cause it wasn't, but it, it was interesting the difference that when we first talked about, it was just kind of this idea and you were doing things, right? And you know, but there wasn't very much outcome coming down. But you got down. You actually put it pencil to, or pen yeah. to paper. Yeah. You made up. Ran plan. the numbers. You ran the numbers. Yeah. You figured it out. Um, I would think you had a come to Jesus moment where yeah. you said, "Listen, this wasn't working this way. It's not working that way." Accepted it, but then you mapped, outlined, and mapped a plan. And it was at that point it started to turn a change because yeah. you had a clear idea of not and not so much i don't want to say what wasn't working but what needed to be done to make it work right and most people like this can be done with any product but most people just don't know the numbers behind what they what they what they're creating and how much it costs to sell it so like i what i've gotten really good at is figuring out if i if i'm selling let's say a 30 dollar widget i need to know what it costs to make so i didn't even like know my down pat cost with the t-shirts but now I know, say the product cost me, um, for simplicity's sake, $10 on, a, on let's say a $40 product. So from there, I'm, I have $30 left, right? If I'm gonna sell it on the channel and they're gonna take $6, then that's $16 out and I have $24 left. And basically you're running through your expenses and then let's say, um, yeah, you have $24 left, but it costs you $10 to advertise and acquire a customer. Well, at that point, then I only have, uh, what is that, $14 left. So that's my profit that I roll with, or that I'm gonna try and shoot for. And what I would try to shoot for is figuring out that equation 
and then making sure I can get my advertising to hit those metrics. If it costs me $10, that's great. If it costs me 30, then I'm negative. So how do I find my customers in that range where I'm profitable? And then it's just a process of repeating that horizontally with more products and scaling those ads to make sure that I'm constantly selling more and more and building out a brand around a certain niche. So like if I'm selling dog food bowls and it costs me a, it's a $15 dog food bowl, um, cost me $2 to make it and $3 to sell it. I'm shooting for that $10 uh, net profit. If my ads don't hit within that $10, then I need to reevaluate. Do I need to up my price? Do I need to get a better manufacturer so I get them cheaper? All those things, like the actual business component came into play. And um, just by understanding my numbers and understanding how to run paid traffic, which is through Instagram, Facebook, Google, um, Amazon, Bing, all those channels. So you, I mean, really here, you figured out what you needed to make it work. And yep. obviously you're like, the t-shirts aren't this. So you started looking across the different product lines that yep. fit within and what you were trying to do. You created a, a brand yep. around it. So it was all of them were unique. And two, you could drop these products that now would work under your equation, which meant you would have a margin that was high enough to sell it, reallocate those funds into buying more inventory, pay the expenses and still have cash left over, which would be the true profit, which you pour back in then to set another product or find, make another product. Once again, a horizontal income line. So you're dropping these products that meet the equation. And then you would have your uh, channels yep. in which you knew you could repeatedly yep. sell those products out, which it, I mean, essentially all you're doing is you are building a vehicle that is compounding the results every product you're dropping, right? And then that cash is coming in, you're dropping another one and it compounds. So then what you did with one, now you're doing with five. Yep. Now explain, uh, you know, how do you go about in finding? A lot of people I think want to start, they have an idea, but they really don't know what is a viable business idea, business yep. product. When you're looking and searching for products or even a business to start, what are you looking for to make that work. Yeah, and just to jump back to the job point, because I don't even think I answered that one. Yeah. The job is essential, like I couldn't have done it. Like most people think if they're making two grand off their investments or their business, they can just live off that. But you'll just kill your business because it needs it needs the money to reinvest. So I, I'm gonna keep my job as long as I can to continue pouring the money back in because I know that with every X amount put in, I can generate three to 10X that because of the certain systems that I have built. And as I start to hire more people on, in the business while I work the job, it's allowing me to just come, like it's just, a, it's growing. It's, it's constantly growing um, with more people, with more products, more sales channels. And so it's essential to have a job. If you don't have a job, I mean, you could give equity for, for money, but in reality, that's just, you're shooting yourself in the foot because you're killing the amount of value or the amount of like your exit that you could get, you're killing the amount you could get on that. And you're just kind of being lazy and that you could just have a job and do both. Because yeah. there's no excuse. There's definitely enough time in the day to do more than, more than just build a brand and do a job. So and you're going to school yeah, too. Yeah, and doing all this other <laughs> stuff. So if you're trying to get started, I mean, there's a good book, The Millionaire Fast Lane. We always talk about it. the The premise is that you need to fill a need, and I think most people start a, start selling stuff online because they think it's cool or they think that they want it, so other people will want it. And it's not how that works. I think most, if you look at any company, it's that's successful. It's because they're filling somebody's need, whether it's relieving pain, promoting happiness, increasing like they're, they're, you need to look at how people are thinking about products. Like let's say weight loss supplements, the, probably the most common thing. People take weight loss supplements because they wanna look better. If you're catering to the person that wants to look better, like the, 
the 35-year-old woman who, who is unhappy with her appearance. And you know that with your waist trimmer or your waist pro or your uh, weight lift or weight loss supplement, you know that that's, it's good. Don't sell crap either. That's another component, having quality product. But if you know that you can reach that person affordably and you have a good product, you can definitely build, build a good brand. But it, it all comes down to, it all comes down to building a product and filling a need within a certain marketplace. And, and tactically, you can look on Alibaba for products. You can call US manufacturers. If you have an idea, like Elon Musk's uh, rocket idea, he just called, didn't he call NASA? Or he, yeah. he, he was calling uh, literally NASA asking him if they had a rocket he could buy. So just, most people are just afraid to pick up the phone. You just gotta pick up the phone, email the person, create a task list every day to make sure you're moving forward on your goal and uh, just tactically figure out who, who's making the stuff that you want. You know, and this is one of the things that I, I love most about capitalism and market stuff. It, and it, it is very true. Unless you're serving someone else, you cannot grow. You cannot do better. It's not about you. And lots of people, they put themselves in front. Like I'm starting a business because you know, I want to become rich and they can't take themselves out of the equation. Yeah. And that you never go anywhere with that because at the end of the day, nobody cares whether you're making money or not. And then two, then it becomes about money. They pull that money out so they can live this lifestyle that they want. When in fact, it, it really isn't about the money. That money is simply a resource that needs to be put in to grow, to serve more people. And the more people that you can serve and help, the larger your business becomes. And I think that's one of the reasons you've had so much success is you've been able to put off short-term desires to accomplish long-term goals. I know for me, and I know for most, especially when you're 20, you know, one, that is really hard to do mm -hmm. because I think to most 21 years old, a handful of thousand dollars is a, is a lot. $5,000 is a lot of money, more or less, you know, the kind of money that you're bringing in every single month. How does that applied to you and how does that you know this self-control that you've been able to not only with your business but also your real estate investing because if you're trying to invest and grow a portfolio of real estate that can compound upon itself and keep growing you you have to have self-discipline it's not easy it's hard work you got to work after hours weekends job and two you got to be able to control yourself and to understand that this money isn't to buy fancy cars you know, how has that played yeah. into your business? I think it's especially hard today with social media and you have all these, uh, I call them fake entrepreneurs, trying to live a lifestyle and, and portray a lifestyle that you'd look at and say, I want to be like that. But when you really break it down and look at what they're actually doing, if they disclose it, you realize they're not making the amount they're saying and, and they're not doing the things they're saying. And it's a facade. And I think going back to when I was much younger, I started working out when I was like 14, 13, and I've been working out every day since. And so the discipline that I've gained from working out and just diligently following a diet and uh, following a program and trying to accomplish fitness goals, I just relayed that in, into business and tactically just creating plans and, and not deviating because of what I want. I think uh, I've always been that way and that I don't, uh, I don't care what I want as long as uh, I like in, in a short-term way, I'll just work towards an end goal and outline how to get there. And I think part of the spend thing is that most people don't plan. They just let all their money go into one account and they just assume that the money's there. I can spend it. And if I don't have enough, I'll just use a credit card and I'll just live my life that way. And to me, I'm trying to save 50% or more of my income automated, automated. So that goes to one account. 
20% goes to my needs and 30% goes to my wants or vice versa. I don't know how I work that. And it's all different accounts. So the needs account, and generally I don't even want anything. So the 30% goes to my 50% yeah. savings. But the 20% that I'm, I'm needing to spend, that could be bills, clothes, food, gas, all that stuff is already pre-planned. So I don't, most people just default to their lowest desire or their lowest like form of thinking. And, and that if you're in the motion of I need to get the dessert or I need to buy this watch or this car, they'll just, it's like an automatic response. But in my account, it's already laid out what I need to spend. So you bypass that. You don't, even, just, you don't even put that desire or whatnot. It, you don't have the option. It's automatic. Yeah. And then, so like if, if my, the 20% will go direct to an account and all expenses are paid out of that account. And then the 50 to 80% that I'm saving is dedicated to another investment or another business. So like we have the business idea that we want to start. I'm saving for that. And then I'm also saving for another fourplex or a conventional investment that I don't need the three and a half percent. So, and, and that's just not deviating. Cause if I, if I spend that money, not only will it take years off of how quickly I could get there, but it will, you spend it now in the assumption that it gets you closer to where you want, but you extend the timeline and how long it takes you to get there. You know what I'm saying? No, absolutely. So like most people, um, yeah, a, do- a dollar today is not a dollar the same no, in five years. No. And especially with like what, when you get into it and you realize I can make, I, I can turn a hundred or one dollar into a hundred dollars in two to three months. And I'm just making an example. When you know that, you can like you don't want to spend the money on stupid stuff because the compounding effect of continually doing what you're doing will get you way beyond um, the short-term desire. I no, I I love that. You know, a, a, a dollar how how a dollar is classified classified in the value that it has. I honestly believe is different to everyone. Um, a dollar to me holds much more value, let's say, than other people because mm-hmm. of what I know I can do with it yeah. and what that'll create. And two, the cost of money exists as far as debt, but also the cost of not borrowing, the cost of owning, you have inflation. So the value of money is really skewed. Yeah. And you can tell by different individuals how that value may be placed. When you know and you have a process, a system, or a wealth vehicle that you can put a dollar and make five, that really holds you back on wanting to spend that money. Yeah. Because that cost of that ice cream cone or whatever it may be, that becomes a really high price to pay. Yeah, and, and think about if you buy a, let's say you buy a, a $50,000 Range Rover, and now your car payment's a thousand bucks a month, and you only make Let's say you make 60 grand a year or 50 grand a year. Yeah. So you're netting out 3,500 and a third of your income is going to a cool car so you can impress people that don't even care about you. Yep. And that, that $1,200 or whatever you're paying or $12,000 you're paying per year, that's an investment property just like that on down payment. So I always think about that. And if, if I wanted to get the Range Rover, what I'd probably do is I'd spend $30,000 buying a website that could pay the, the, the car payment on that. And I would only have that for a year or two sell the car when I don't want anymore or the mileage is getting too high, still have the website and hopefully I've improved it so I can go buy another car or sell the website. Assets pay for your liabilities, keep the assets, get yeah. rid of the liabilities. Yeah, and like most people, um, it's because they don't have the skills or they're not aware yeah. of, of spending their money that way. But yeah, most people, like a dollar, like, and it's kind of a good thing because when people don't understand the value of their money or maybe they, they view money a certain way and you can understand that, you can create products to um, fulfill their desires. So as long as your product looks good, your marketing is good, like going back to, to building your business, if you have a, let's say, uh, a skin cream product that 
is perfect for women between the ages of 40 and 65. And you present the product in a way where they would want to subscribe to your product where they get it every 30 days. You just create a customer that will pay you hundreds if not thousands of dollars over the course of their lifetime because of the value they're perceiving in your product. Well, this so it's is, not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, this is, your, once again, as we talk a lot about changing your mindset from a consumer to a creator, producer. Yeah. producer. Yeah. And that's where you want to be. You want to be on the producing side of the economy, not the consuming side. Yeah. And when you figure out how your capital, how capital works within the economy and you set yourself up a good solid foundation, you can capitalize on the opportunities that you see. A lot of people ask me, you know, well, how do you find these deals or how do you start these businesses and where does the opportunity come from? I, I'd say first, when you set yourself up a solid foundation and you can capitalize on opportunities, you see more of the opportunities that come through because you have the ability to. And second of all, you understand the creation process mm -hmm. and understanding the creation process allows you to see and discover more opportunities. I think, you know, you today from four years ago, you know, you are a different person, person, not yeah. even the same person at all. And I bet you see the world completely different. Yeah. And, and like my desires, like I, I think my goals when I was 20 is to be where I'm at today, but I thought it would have taken me way longer. But I think if you can condense your feedback loop and really figure out what works and what doesn't and be ruthless in that, you can get there a lot quicker. And yeah, looking at the world today, I like I, uh, the brand that I've created is not just one brand. I, I could see myself creating multiple brands and building out more products within multiple niches. And so just thinking bigger and constantly learning, like you realize once you're in it that you don't know everything and you don't, and you still don't know, like once you're making it happen, you realize how much there is to, to learn. And so, yeah, it's totally, it's, it's crazy to think. So, um, you know, you got, there's a lot of people, they may be, you know, 1918, they may be 50 and they're sitting here going, you did this in four years. You have this awesome foundational base. They're trying to get where really where you're already at. What would be your advice to them and what would you tell those people trying to start off that are trying to build a financial vehicle that will take them to financial freedom and that are trying to get from A to Z but can't seem to put all the pieces together? Yeah, there's multiple things I could say. I mean, first thing is that like everyone's path is going to be different. Like you can't just copy somebody's idea because the opportunities and the timing that they had is not going to match your timing or, or your opportunities. I think you need to surround yourself with people that are doing what you want to do. Like I surrounded myself with you. I think I bugged you constantly until <laughs> yes. you just, you hired me. So find people that are like you and you want to be like, don't listen to people who aren't doing what you want to do. Like don't listen to your parents. Don't listen to your friends or your teachers if they're not doing it. Like if, if they're actually a successful entrepreneur or business owner or whatever, or investor, listen to them and ideally work for them to understand it. But otherwise don't. I think you need to constantly be trying stuff. We always talk about that, just more throwing more stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Try as many things as you can and figure out whichever one starts to take off or, or you see opportunity in, do that. I think looking at what you're currently doing, like I was working for a supplement company, bodybuilding.com, and my product is in the fitness niche or my brand is in the fitness niche and everything I'm trying to do is in the fitness niche. It's because I love working out. And I think like MJ DeMarco, who's the author of The Millionaire Fast Lane, he reached financial freedom and independence from creating a limousine website while he was a limo driver. For you, you've been in sales and insurance, but and, and you're constantly doing that stuff, but you've also been a real estate investor and in investing. So everything kind of ties into your history and your uh, work experience. 
So looking at that and seeing what opportunities there are there are probably uh, some good starting steps to to getting started. But I think like constantly learning and, and picking people's brains and meeting with people is probably a good way to start. No, I love that. You know, I think looking at your story and looking how far you've come, it, it's amazing to how simple concepts have propelled you forward. This idea, once again, of living on just a fraction of what you make. And a lot of people are like, well, we can't do that or I can't do that. I, I mean, it. You know, not only have you shown that you're talking, you were living on nothing. You're still living off very little. You're saving the vast majority and investing the vast majority of your money. And when people are like, I don't know how to cut out my living expense, instead of you just saying, oh, that can't be done and I have to buy a house or whatnot, you figure it out a way. Yeah. And that savings and that frugality and setting up that financial base allowed you then to have opportunities that others don't. Yeah. And really, you know, you got to put yourself in a position. You got to, you got to make yourself in a position where you can take a, you can not only see opportunities, but you can take a hold of them. And then you got to put the money, the time and effort. You got to stick with it. Yeah. And I guess we shouldn't underlie that, uh, the, the effort part or the work part. I think most people think that, uh, the nine to five or the eight hour shift is enough. But I, to be honest with you, I mean, every day for the past, like, yeah, four years has been I'll work nine to five, go work out or I'll work out in the morning and then I'll work till probably midnight one or two. And if, I mean, if you're not willing to, to do that kind of work, just don't expect the result. I think that's, it's pretty straightforward. If you want more, you got to do more and don't complain about it. Don't, I mean, you probably won't make money for the first couple of years, just being honest with you. Anyone who's trying to sell you a program, you're you're buying what's making them the result, just so you you, you understand that. Absolutely. Most people don't seem to get that, but um, uh, just be willing. Like if you if you want what the, the stuff that other people do, don't have, most people don't have. You need to give up what most people won't give up. Yeah. So. And you know, too, I love you sacrifice today for tomorrow, and as long as you can do that enough, then tomorrow. Yeah, you can have what others don't. Yeah, and I mean, I, I make make sure you like it. Like yeah. I, I enjoy it, so yeah. it's not a problem for me. But yeah. I, I could just definitely see how most people would be like, "This is horrible." I'm working 16 hours a day, and it sucks. Yeah, if you don't like accounting, don't build an accounting business. No, yeah, make sure you, <laughs> make sure you find something that that at least you can enjoy. And um, if you want to sell it in two to three years, just make sure you can suffer through those two to three years. So, yeah. awesome. Well, Rock, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. We appreciate it. Your story is inspiring and too i think it lays a clear path out for anyone wanting to move forward anyone starting out trying to figure out how they should start out and how to create a platform in which they can build success off of this is just a perfect story too if you people want to reach you go out there and find you how should they go about that yeah you can follow me on uh, instagram at rock pilon that's p-i-l-o-n-r-o-c r-o-c-p-i-l-o-n and you can add me on linkedin Those are the main spots. I don't have a website set up yet, but we'll see. Perfect. We'll put those in the show notes. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at cashflow2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.